0: Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Well, today we're gonna explore foreign investment into U.S. real estate. You know, many investors around the world consider the U.S. a safe haven for capital preservation. When you add to that, investing in a recovery period has historically been a great time to invest in real estate. Well, what you should have is the perfect world for foreign investment in U.S. real estate. Please welcome my first guest, Jim Fettgetter. Jim is chief executive of AFIRE which is the Association of Foreign Investors in Real Estate. AFIRE is a nonprofit. They were formed in 1988. Their members are foreign institutions who have a common interest in international real estate investing. Jim, thanks for joining us today.
1: Michael thank you it's happy to be here.
0: well we appreciate it Jim and you know it seems like a perfect time for foreign investors to be investing in the us and in my opinion you know we're at the we're in a recovery period so uh, prices uh, are good uh, rents are low a lot of people feel like commercial real estate is is going to improve in value how much foreign investment are we seeing in the u.s right now Jim and, and how is that trending? Uh,
1: well the trend is is definitely upward um, their organization called Real Capital Analytics uh, actually um, uh, tracks all, all real estate transactions, and they, they pull out foreign transactions for us. Um, and last year in 2013, it was $37 billion. Uh, to give you some perspective, in 2009, when nobody was investing, it was $4.7 billion.
0: <laughs> right.
1: So that And it's, it's been an upward trend ever since. We're almost back to um, 2007 levels.
0: Okay. And so do you expect the trend to continue with more foreign investment uh, coming into the U.S.?
1: Yeah, I don't see any reason why uh, trends never, you know, trees don't ever grow to the sky, but mm-hmm. I, I don't see any reason at this point for it, it, it to change.
0: Yeah. I know we, we're in brokerage here in the southeast, and uh, you know, we put a currency converter and translator on our site. I mean, we've, we do get foreign investors uh, on our projects, and, you know, I, I think it should grow. It's a great time. And, and, Jim, what is the real motivation for these foreign investors? Is it preservation of capital, uh, or is it currency exchange? You know, what do you see out there?
1: Um, a lot of it is diversification, mm-hmm. um, but if, if, you're, if you're talking about today and what it, what you know, what is their motivation uh, in, the, in the current um, climate, they really don't have a whole lot of choices uh, if, if you look around the, the globe. I mean, the U.S. really is, is the, almost the only game in town. Europe is struggling. Uh, Asia's got issues. Um, Brazil certainly has this issues. So, you know, there's not a lot of good alternatives, so this is the best alternative for them. Uh, and, but, but on an overall scale, it's mostly diversification, not only in, in economies uh, in the real estate markets uh, and in the currency, mm-hmm. so uh, these are big institution investors they they're hedging their bets, a diversified portfolio, and the u s is is the first stop for them if they're going out of their borders
0: right okay so which countries are most active uh, in u s investing
1: um, well that's always a trick question. Mm-hmm. Um, because That's the comment I like to ask you. The truth. Yeah, I know <laughs> exactly. You know, people ask me that, and I say, "Well, what year are you talking about?" Um,
0: right.
1: Because it, it, it's changed over certainly over the 25 years that we've been in, in business. Um, the last several years, it's been Canada, mm-hmm. and it's been primarily Canadian pension fund. Well, it's been Canadian pension funds, Canadian REITs, um, and yeah, public and public companies. Um, you know, prior to that, you know, we had the Australian. There was a big wave of Australians. There's been a wave of Middle uh, Waves, certainly waves of Germans that have been around for some time. So right now, it's, it's Canada.
0: I see. You know, and it's interesting when Australian investors uh, call, and, then they, and they call me mate, you know, I'm out in the oh, yeah. south. Hey, <laughs> I'd right. like, like, like to buy some property. Well, you know, like, No worries, Michael. No
1: worries,
0: Michael. <laughs> wait a minute. I'm not your mate. Uh, uh, well, just how difficult, Jim, is it for foreign investors to bring money into the U.S., to, to bring capital invest here?
1: Uh, well, it's we have a free and open market. There is um, – anybody can invest in, in, into the U.S., so there's no – there's really no restrictions mm-hmm. um they you know they, they don't have to register they um they just have to bring the capital in so it's mm-hmm. it's it's very open that's one of the attractions to it to to the u.s so, i mean there's no central there's no central registry for foreign investors that they have to uh, register or comply with um or get approvals for okay it's not like they're investing in a a, a port or a harbor or something like that that has some security uh
0: aspects okay well if they want, they can register with me from now on yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> right well what about <laughs> all the, the other all your listeners <laughs>
0: there you go uh and all our listeners too they can uh, register with them well jim what is the ability for foreign investors to uh finance commercial real estate in the u.s
1: how do uh, lenders again, look at them yeah it's again it's it's not really any different than a domestic investor mm-hmm. um I mean, we have found that um, a lot of the a lot of the banks from their uh, country of origin will follow them over. Uh, that certainly was true of the Germans. I mean, if you saw the proliferation of of German banks that usually headquartered themselves in New York, they were following the investors over um, because they had the they had the relationship built up, and they didn't want to they didn't want to lose the uh, the client to uh, a U.S. bank, so they would follow them over. China's doing the same thing Bank of China has a big presence here in the u s so it's, it's it's really it's it's very competitive and it's it's there's not a restriction
0: okay well very good well let's talk about e b five for a moment i mean that's a a program that allows foreign investors to get green cards for them and their children to to go to school in, in the u s and uh, it's a, a program that's supposed to bring, I guess, foreign investors and, and, and visa opportunities over. Tell us a little bit about EB five.
1: Uh, well, it's fairly technical, so I'm, I can't go into a, a great detail. It's a state, it's a, a State Department program um, called EB five, and uh, a foreign investor um, is it, usually organized by. Um, a, a U.S. company or somebody over, overseas that, that's pulling these investors together—they put, they can put in—they put in $500,000, um, and it has to be in a project that, that creates employment, and it, it has, there has to be some infrastructure. Um, I think they're called regional service centers or something like that, um, established in the areas in which they're going to do their project. Um, and then the investors will then get uh, a, a green card. It's not a it's not a permanent green card, uh, and that's where it gets a little complicated. It's a it's a temporary card, and then they then they they renew this card every year. So that's I mean that's the value of it. There are and peop, It's been very it's been very popular in the past several years. Before it's been it's been a program a while, several many years, and it was kind of sleepy. But uh, in the in the past. Oh, I would say five years, it's really mushroomed a lot of the interest is coming from China. Mm.
0: That's interesting. So it's uh, it's a lot bigger than it ever was. And, and it's designed, I guess, to, to create jobs, right? So they have to create at least 10 jobs. And I think it's interesting that those 10 jobs can't be their immediate family, right? That's got to create 10 right. jobs outside <laughs> exactly. the family, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a different program. There several countries have programs like this. I think Canada had one where, mm. you, where you could buy a house for a million dollars and you would get i think citizenship i'm not certain about that but ours our program here in the u.s is is focused on creating jobs so right but and it's been very successful
0: yeah that's great and we, we you know we need the job so so what are some tips for foreign investors that, uh, that are looking to invest in the u.s
1: um well uh i i guess First of all, if you're if you're a new investor in the U.S., um, a lot of times our, our members will uh, will invest in a fund first, um, and kind of put their toe in the water and kind of get get to know the market rather than coming in. A lot of, a lot of investors don't do this, but um, you know, get to know the market, get to know the player, the fund manager, um, and 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 go in that way rather than just coming in and buying some some building. Uh, However, a lot of people do that, then I would just say, you know, if you're going to do that, um, use U.S. advisors, uh, get a lot of different opinions, um, because a lot, a lot of foreign investors have not done that and, and have not have gotten one opinion and gone with it. Um, and they can always uh, join a group like fire. Mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, that that's what we do. We educate foreign investors on, on the U.S. market. We've got a book called The Guide to U.S. Real Estate Investing that we've we, we produced uh, that is geared for foreign investors and, and how-to. It's 31 chapters.
0: Oh, great. Well, I want to know a little bit more about the, the fire resources there. So so stay with us, if, if you will, and we'll come right back to uh, Jim. Uh, more on foreign investment in U.S. real estate. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Okay. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate-related topics, check out our on-demand show podcasts, videos, blogs, and answers at commercialrealestateshow.com. You'll find some great shows on the major sectors, office, retail, industrial, and many others. Grab your phone, tablet, or computer and visit commercialrealestateshow.com. Today, we're talking about foreign investment in the U.S., and we have Jim Fetgetter with us with AFIRE, and I want to talk about FERBTA. You know, FERBTA is, is a big deal for foreign investors and for uh, sellers of U.S. real estate uh, that are involved with foreign investors to understand it and, and know about it. But before we get to that, Jim, tell us a little bit more about the resources uh, available on these type of subjects uh, with AFIRE.
1: Um, well, I can tell you that uh, FERPTA, of course is the main the main legislative uh, uh issue that that our organization has because it is strictly a uh, a tax on on non u s investors in u s real estate um, but I would say that you know anybody that any foreign investor that um, is looking at buying u s real estate needs to talk to a lawyer or an accountant to, uh to, to deal with FERPTA. Um we are um, we do have information about FERPTA on our website um, at afire.org. Uh, we don't purport to um, give legal advice on how to uh, to deal with it, but we do have um, uh, within our organization we have a number of, of of lawyers and 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 accountants that, as our members, that that's all they do is is deal with FERPTA, uh issues. Um, FERTA is The uh, uh, Foreign Investment Real Property Tax Act, and it's been around since the early 80s, uh, and started out as a a law to stop uh, speculation in farmland in the Midwest. Hmm. And it just was one of those unintended consequences, maybe, that uh, it became (laughs) attached to all real estate in the U.S.
0: Right. And it requires, if you're selling your property in the U.S. to a foreign investor, then you've got to, your closing agent, or you, maybe you as a seller, have to make sure that 10% of those funds are set aside for uh, U.S. Right. taxes for that uh, right. investor to pay?
1: There's a withholding requirement, and, and anybody that's ever bought a house mm-hmm. uh, has had to deal with some of the disclosures about they're not a foreign investor or they're not, you know, they're a U.S. citizen or whatever. Um, it, so, yes, it, it's fairly owners. It's, um, it, there is a withholding requirement, and um, in the, in the, the tax itself can, can, can be 30 be 35%, depending on sometimes the country. Uh, it varies slightly. Uh, sometimes some of the treaties uh, vary. It. So it is the, our, our contention, of course, is that this is the only investment that a foreigner um, makes in the U.S. in which they have to pay taxes in the U.S., so. Uh, if they buy stock in, in any other in a, a corporation, GM, General Electric, whatever, uh, and they sell that stock, they don't pay they don't pay taxes on the capital gains. Mm-hmm. They pay it to their home country. Mm-hmm. In real estate, you have to pay it to the United States.
0: Yeah, and I said so. that right, right. It's it's not a U.S. seller of of real estate. It's a foreign investor of U.S. real estate, right? That yeah. has to right. pay that have right. that withholding. Right. Uh, right, and then they have, right, exactly. and then they have, guess have to see the government about getting that back if uh, if they don't owe it, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, they have to file. They have to file tax returns with the U.S. and mm-hmm. and um, and either get a refund or they are are pay more taxes. So yeah. it's an issue that a lot of foreign investors uh, are are dealing with, mm-hmm. and they, they they it's certainly one of the impediments. We could have a lot more investment in the U.S. if if we did not have the to tax. And we are trying very hard to start the process of getting it amended.
0: I see. And then you mentioned uh, the effect on on REITs. So so I guess it's hurting REITs as far as foreign investors uh, investing in U.S. REITs because, uh, like you said, unlike other stock investments, uh, they've got that withholding when uh, they get these funds from the REIT payments, right?
1: Right. Uh, Yeah, they can invest in um, General Motors. Uh, but they, but they, without paying FERPTA tax, but they can't invest in a, in a U.S. REIT uh, without without being subject to FERPTA. Mm-hmm. Now the the limit is they can and they can invest up uh, up to five percent uh, of the uh, of the overall stock, um, and if they if they have less than five percent of the stock, mm-hmm. they're not subject to FERPTA. If they exactly. have more than five percent of the stock of of any one REIT, then yes, they're that's, that they're subject to FERPTA. Uh, so that's that's the difference. And there is legislation now. we've been trying now for the last two years to raise that to 10 percent uh, and also to um, to reverse an IRS ruling which said that if you dissolve a REIT uh, and you're a foreign investor, that the, the proceeds from that dissolution of a REIT is now subject to FERPTA, which it had not been ten you know five years ago.
0: I see. And, and, you know, that ability for foreign investors to invest with U.S. investors and U.S. sponsors is important. I mean, that's a, a lot of the foreign investment in the U.S. Uh, comes that way, right, Jim? They're investing with U.S. companies here, right?
1: Uh, yes. A lot, of, a lot of the larger uh, institutions uh, invest through domestically controlled REITs, mm-hmm. private REITs. Uh, they're not public REITs, uh, the, the 5% and the 10% issue were, was public REITs, um, they, can, they can invest 49% in, uh, in, a, in a domestically controlled REIT. There's a, a number of other requirements, and, uh, and they can avoid the FERC tax.
0: Okay. Well, Jim, what advice would you give to, to listeners if they're, they're professionals, they're, they're advisors, they're third-party providers, or maybe they're, uh, they're sellers of institutional quality properties and, and other properties? Um, some tips for them to, to work with foreign investors.
1: Um, well, I would. I, the biggest difference, I guess, between a domestic and a foreign investor is that um, it, it takes a lot more time. To develop that relationship with a foreign investor, typically, um, you have to work on the relationship. You have to feel comfortable with you. Um, you're not gonna. You're not gonna. You're, you're not gonna. You're not gonna sell them on the first meeting. You're not gonna sell them on the second meeting. I mean, it's. It is. Um, it's a very kind of. It's a much slower process, and um, it, and that's sort of why this organization was was founded back in the, in, in the 80s because we do have. US advisors in our group where they're, they're they're all highly qualified and have to be sponsored uh, but it enables them to to meet and really get to know each other and get to trust each other before they uh, before they do business
0: uh, that makes sense you and you
1: got to be you got to be prepared to, to, to work it a little bit harder
0: yeah yeah that's true so what are some of the other benefits of uh, being a member of, of a fire if, if you're let in uh, into the group
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> well we have um we have members from twenty one countries uh around the world um, and we have most of the major institutional players now we don't have um we typically don't but we don't have any uh private money coming in to say buy a house or buy a second home or buy buy their buy their children a house next to the university the, we don't have those kind of investors. But we have pension funds and um, sovereign wealth funds, yeah. uh, public companies uh, from, like I say, twenty twenty-one different countries. So the advantage is really getting to know them, yeah. Um, and and um, it's, it's it's who you're in the room it's, with.
0: It's and about and the it's access. Very, That's right.
1: It's about access. It's about access. Jim, and thanks
0: for joining us today. We appreciate you being with us.
1: Uh, thanks for having me.
0: For more from Jim and AFIR, visit AFIRE.org and stay with us. We'll have more on foreign investment in U.S. real estate in just a moment. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Florida International University. With FIU's Fast Track system, you can earn your master's in real estate in just 10 months without interrupting your career. Visit FIUonline.com to learn more. That's FIUonline.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Remember, we do appreciate hearing from you. So reach out to us through CommercialRealEstateShow.com. You'll find all our social media accounts and contact information. Well, today we're talking about foreign investment into U.S commercial real estate. Next, we have Skyping with us from Israel, Aryeh Kiefer. Uh, He is a principal with Addison Advisors, and they invest in U.S. real estate with money from Israel. And uh, Aryeh, we appreciate you joining us today. How are you doing?
2: Very good. Thank you for having me. It's
0: good to see you there on Skype.
2: (laughs) You as well. It's amazing how close the world can be.
0: That's right. Well, I had to ask you first, as a a foreign investor and, and bringing money into the U.S., uh, why? You know, why are foreign investors uh, so interested in the U.S.? It seems like it's it's even picked up more recently.
2: Absolutely, I think there's two parts to that. The first is that, in general, when um, when the world has economic world has collapsed, uh, you can see countries around the world trying to figure out how to get out of it. Um, and no matter how things have bad, no matter how bad things have gotten in the U.S., there's a general attitude around the world that the U.S. isn't going anywhere. Uh, it's an economy that is the, arguably the largest or at least the strongest in the world. And the underlying fundamentals, which apply to all business across the, across the world, the United States is still a place that's considered strong and stable to a certain degree. The second reason is when you have a place that's considered so strong uh, across the world, and then you have a short-term collapse, it's kind of like uh, buying uh, retail at a discount. Um, you know, and, and every every foreign investor looks at their own local market and sees, oh, something, I can get the same thing for half the price. Nobody wants to pay full retail if they can get it for a discount, and that's how the U.S. is viewed. So, if you combine mm-hmm. something that's viewed as strong and stable, and at the same time at a discount, that's a great idea.
0: Uh, that's a good point. So, they realize it's, it's a safe country. We have uh, you know, we have no political <laughs> unrest. Uh, we have a, st- a fairly stable environment, and yeah, like you said, we have a, a market where real estate did collapse uh, uh, and pretty much collapsed all around the world, and U.S. was pre- hit, hit pretty hard. And now, so so I guess what you're saying is Israeli investors are looking at the U.S. and saying, "Hey, it's probably going to improve, and uh, buy now," right?
2: Absolutely. At the same time, uh, Israeli real estate is incredibly strong and incredibly stable. Um, every year, the Urban Land Institute does a conference here in, in Israel, geared towards Israeli investors. Mm-hmm. And each year, when they come to Tel Aviv to have this conference, they talk about how Israel is ranked either number two or three in terms of being the in terms of the strength of a and stability of a commercial real estate market. And a lot of that has to do with supply and demand. The country itself is tiny, mm-hmm. and when you divide it even smaller to what uh, political forces allow uh, in terms of development you have a very small amount of area to build upon and a huge demand for that land. Yeah. So it's an incredibly stable real estate market which at the same time you have stability, it also means pricing can get out of hand. And, let and me, you compare that with American real estate and it seems like a, a great investment opportunity.
0: Right, and let me ask you as an investor, as a principal, bringing funds into the U.S., and investing here, what are some tips you would provide for other investors bringing money into the U.S.?
2: First and foremost, the most important thing any investor needs to know, foreign um, especially, is that the person or company that is ultimately handling your investment must absolutely be someone that you trust. Um, There are countless companies around the world that are raising funds, um, in particular foreign funds to bring into the US, and there are lots of games that can be played. Um the most important thing, more than anything else, is that the person or company running the show is someone that you trust.
0: Yeah, and that's a very good point. You've got to have a, a good team in the U.S. to help you, not only to find the properties, but handle the then the legal aspects, handle the management, handle the leasing, uh, handle all the aspects, including the financing, right?
2: Absolutely. And even to the smallest details, I have conversations all the time with investors when it comes to the smallest Detail of how long does it take to uh, to, uh, to to convict? To, sorry, to complete a eviction, mm-hmm. um, which again, you know, you can have a difference between just DeKalb County and Fulton County in Atlanta, and you have a huge difference from Georgia to New York. All of those things are very localized and specialized information. And if you're six or seven or eight or ten thousand miles across the world, there's no way that you can have a handle on that in every single submarket.
0: Right, and we're short on the break here, but uh, what about having a U.S. partner or not having a U.S. partner?
2: You absolutely must have one. There's no way to, to run a business without having, you know, boots on the ground.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, so you need it for, is it important for financing as well?
2: Absolutely, for management, for financing, um, basically anything that you would require if you were gonna invest uh, your own money in, in any sort of business. You wanna have somebody that you can trust and those same requirements are the same requirements that a lender would have, that a vendor would have, that a supplier would have across the board. Everybody wants to know that there's someone local, someone with a presence, and someone that's trustworthy that's handling all of the business.
0: Well said. All right. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. I will have more on foreign investment and U.S. real estate. I'm Michael Bull. We'll be right back.
3: The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by RealCrowd. RealCrowd lets you invest directly into shares of cash-flowing real estate with low investment minimums and the ease of investing online. Visit RealCrowd.com/radio. That's RealCrowd.com/radio.
0: Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some fantastic shows coming up for you, including next week, we have a show with Ryan Severino with Reese, and we'll look at uh, challenges and opportunities in the various commercial real estate sectors. Uh, Just check commercialrealestateshow.com and sign up for a a once-a-week email announcing the show topic. Well, today we're talking about foreign investment and U.S. real estate, and please welcome my next guest, Jeremiah Jarman. Jeremiah is a commercial real estate investment sales broker with Bull Realty. Previous to that life, he was a real estate attorney who had a firm who specialized in help foreign investors invest in U.S. real estate. Jeremiah, thanks for joining us today.
3: Thanks, Michael. Glad to be on the show.
0: And, and we're glad you have your new life of being a broker. You left the dark side of,
3: <laughs> Came to <the> light side. <laughs> of, of law.
0: And um, so uh, the first thing I'd like to ask you is as an investment broker, you're looking at the market, you're seeing foreign investors come here. Um, Which markets are foreign investors mainly interested in in, in geographically?
3: Uh, Geographically, they're interested in the main markets, primarily um, D.C., Miami, um, San Francisco, L.A. Um, They like those markets because they're stabilized. Mm -hmm. There's a uh, stabilized rate of return on their investment, and uh, they're going to have consistent apartment demand for years and years to come because they are obviously the biggest metropolises across across the United States.
0: And are you starting to see a little bit more investor interest, uh, foreign investors, just like we are seeing domestically in some of the secondary and tertiary markets as those cap rates have really become so compressed in, in the primary markets?
3: Yeah, that's generally what's occurring right now is because, you know, as the cap rates compress in the primary markets, you know, that rate of return isn't as high. Mm -hmm. And they can get properties in a a market that has a great demand at a discount in the secondary markets. And so you're beginning to see foreign investors start to come into those markets because obviously they're going to get a, a better rate of return on their money. And the cap rates haven't totally compressed yet.
0: Right. And I think that, uh, you know, we have a lot of listeners in New York and and in Boston, D.C. and San Francisco. And I think there's a lot of listeners that are are only in these primary markets and they're only in in these institutional and core assets. That's what they know. But we also have listeners all over the country that are in some of these secondary markets and and selling some smaller properties. And foreign investors, uh, they're also involved in some of these smaller properties as well, not just institutional quality assets that I know that you typically work in, right?
3: Right, The uh, foreign investors that are getting involved in the larger core assets are mm-hmm. primarily going through private equity funds, mm-hmm. and that's how they're investing in them. Mm-hmm. But if they want to go in direct, then they're going into the smaller assets mm-hmm. because uh, there's more opportunity there. Uh, it's dealing at a price level that's easier for them to, uh, it's a lower barrier of entry for them to achieve. And, uh, but at the same time, to land those smaller assets and get into them directly, they do have to be working with people here on the ground that understand the market and have a good team, be surrounded by a good team to assist them in their acquisitions.
0: Okay. So if I'm a foreign investor and I'm looking for a good team, uh, what's that mean? I want Michael Jordan and uh, Larry Bird. dream team.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's right. (laughs) Not OJ's dream team. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But but, uh, yeah, you're you're, going to need a very, very good team with Mm -hmm. everybody that's specialized in their uh, in their field of expertise and it's always good to have a general that understands that has t- uh, tangential knowledge of all the other industries as well mm-hmm. to keep everything in line
0: okay so you need so, a lawyer
3: right you, you need a lawyer who's gonna be handling your contracts your mm-hmm. purchase and sale agreements your uh, closings uh, your due diligence mm-hmm. uh, your title examinations and survey examinations mm-hmm. you're gonna be needing an accountant the counts very very important because mm-hmm. obviously tax liability often is the tail that wags the dog. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, that's gonna affect your bottom line. So you need an accountant that's very familiar with international tax treaties mm-hmm. and FERPTA. Mm-hmm. And uh, but besides your property manager and your insurance professional and your lender, you really need a good broker. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, after all, that is, that's how you're picking out your asset. That's how you're picking out your investment. And so you need an extremely good broker who understands the local markets and understands how to work with foreign investors and understands the, all the nuances involved with foreign investment in the US.
0: Okay, and I guess when you're picking those advisors, you also wanna think about really what what is your acquisition target? So, so, and what is the mission of those particular team members? So let's say that you're gonna be buying three or four different types of assets in, in, in multiple cities around the country, then your broker needs to be more of that, that general type of person, right? They can help you with the logistics of all that.
3: Right. You can have a broker that's going to be your liaison mm-hmm. to all those markets. Mm-hmm. Or what you do is you if, if you want to deal with different assets across different metro areas mm-hmm. and sub markets, then. You're, you're going to need that that broker to, who's the liaison to deal with brokers in all those sub markets who understand all the, the market activity and the economics of all those markets.
0: Right. As opposed to if you just know you're buying multifamily in Chicago, then you can find a broker that just knows that, and maybe your lawyer can handle the, the foreign investment issues. Right. All right. Okay. And what are some of the challenges for foreign investors?
3: Um, there's a few. Uh, and they all they all cover some different areas one that we've touched on before i've seen is uh, getting the money out of the foreign country itself a lot of people think how do i get the money into the us well getting the money to the us isn't the issue mm-hmm. the, the us has a very open policy when it comes to importing money mm-hmm. it's really getting the, uh, the it's dealing with the foreign countries that where you might need a tax clearance certificate or some sort of uh, permission to export that money out of the foreign country the other issue that you'll typically find are foreign investors who are trying to obtain financing. Um, That's largely going to depend on whether, one, they're joint venturing with an American, be much easier to get financing, and number two, uh, whether that financing is recourse or non-recourse. If that that financing is recourse and they're not joint venturing with an American, they're not going to get financing. If the financing is non-recourse, then it is possible for them to uh, get financing because essentially the lender is going to be underwriting the asset and the management company. But in any situation, it's always better to be joint venturing with an American because then it's much easier just to get not only the financing done, but everything done. And um, as far as other challenges are concerned, y- you know, becoming familiar with United States laws and the way we do business here. We'll
0: save that. We right. need something for the next break.
3: Okay. <laughs> We're
0: gonna take a short break. I'm Michael Ball. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404-832-8262. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We're talking about foreign investment in U.S. real estate today. We have Jeremiah Jarman with us, an investment broker with Bull Realty, who focuses on multifamily properties in the Southeast. And Jeremiah, one of the things that seems to be interesting to foreign investors is a kind of the stable property rights we have here in the U.S., right?
3: Right. We have we have a well-defined system of property rights. We have a stabilized business, political, and economic climate. Um, you know, we're not on the brink of nationalization. We don't have a coup occurring. So <laughs> it's it makes it very attractive to come here because we have a legitimate business climate. If you buy something here, it's yours. You don't have to live in fear that somebody's going to take it away from you or the government's going to take it away from you. So that's why I'm foreign investors who might live in a country where, you know, corruption or bribery might be very systemic, they don't have those issues here.
0: So they won't lose their property or even half of it, unless they get married or something, right? Right, right.
3: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. No marriage jokes, right? <laughs> How about FERPTA? Tell us about that, and, and uh, is, is there a way that a—and you know, and that involves a withholding when a foreign investor is selling assets in the U.S and what should they be concerned with there, and uh, how about a tip?
3: Okay, so uh, FERPTA, the mm-hmm. Foreign Investment Real Property Tax Act, is yeah. a law mm-hmm. created by a, you know, Congress, mm-hmm. and it's implemented by the IRS. And what it's designed to do is that when a foreign investor buys property in the United States, mm-hmm. and then subsequently sells it, it's the way the U.S. government captures the capital gains tax. And the way they do that is by requiring the escrow agent to withhold 10% of the gross purchase price of the property. And then what the foreign investor must do typically is go back to the government and apply for a refund. And the government, if, if there's a capital gains tax owed, the federal government will keep the amount that's the capital gains tax and then remit the rest back if there's a capital gains tax owed. And there are a number of exceptions to that rule, but that's generally how it works. Um, this obviously impacts cash flows for an investor which impacts their internal rate of return because mm-hmm. uh, it's time value of money. You know, you're not getting everything you you you're you're owed at the point of closing. You have to withhold, you know, a large a large amount of it. There's a way though to try and get around this issue, mm-hmm. and it's called using a withholding certificate. And basically, uh, what you would do is you would apply for a withholding certificate from the IRS prior to the closing, and you would be letting the IRS know in advance, this is what the capital gain is going to be on my sale. This is what would be owed. Let's withhold that now at closing. That way I don't have to withhold the entire gross 10% purchase price. And that's generally the way you would get around FERTA.
0: Okay. That's good. And also, I guess as a foreign investor, you want to understand some of the slight differences in um, property law in the different states, right?
3: Right. I mean, there's property laws vary from state to state. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them don't differ that significantly, mm-hmm. but you know, there's different ways you hold a mortgage. You know, mm-hmm. in some states it's a lien, some states it's a deed of trust. You know, Georgia, we're the only ones that use a security deed. Nobody else uses a security deed. Mm-hmm. Um, some states use judicial foreclosure, some use non-judicial foreclosure. And that can be important. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if, you're, if there's judicial foreclosure involved, then the lender is going to have to go to court. Yeah. Non-judicial foreclosure, it's much more expedient taking of the property. And uh, I guess when it comes to, for instance, renting properties or leasing properties, uh, you're dealing with eviction laws. Those mm-hmm. are probably going to be the most pertinent that are going to pertain to foreign investors who are buying income properties there.
0: And we're short on the break here, but what's the property type that seems to be in favor with foreign investors?
3: For the last five years, it's been multifamily. Mm-hmm. That's consistently been the one that's been the most attractive, um, obviously for a number of reasons. One, foreign investors are no-mult apartments. I mean, mm-hmm. apartments are worldwide, yeah. and so they're, they're comfortable with the, of how, of how apartments work. Also, the leases are short-term, mm-hmm. so it's like kind of gearing a car you know, like a Mustang. You can rev it up a little bit, depending on how you want to adjust the leases. And um, also the apartments have recovered very quickly here.
0: Jeremiah, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you. Appreciate it, Michael.
0: And thanks for joining us uh, on the radio and online. We appreciate it. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by RealCrowd, crowdfunding for institutional quality real estate. Visit realcrowd.com slash radio. Florida International University. Earn your commercial real estate master's degree in as little as 10 months. Visit FIUonline.com. And Bull Realty Commercial Brokers, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com and France Media Publications and Conferences.
1: For exposure to the world of commercial real estate, visit francemediainc.com.